All right, happy Friday. Glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, wow, aren't these weeks sweet? I say it every Friday, don't I? I'm kind of repeating myself. Um, and it's really simple. It's just these weeks are intense. This has been a great week for the country. This has been a great week for the rule of law. This has been a great week in the sense that everything that we have been telling you as it relates to the deep state, your corrupt media mob, and the abuse of power and corruption, we haven't been wrong. And here's even the better part of news that I know that I can pass on somewhat cryptically to you that I know for a fact that there is going to begin now next week what will be an avalanche of information that will come out. We've been calling for it for, wow, at least a year and a half, right, Linda? We've been wanting this information out. I did ask the president about it last night on Hannity, and I said, well, we've, we've wanted this material, the, the 302s and the Gang of Aid, and, and we've wanted the FISA applications and all of the, the stuff that we've been talking about. And he's, he gave the authority to the attorney general. And the president said, I did it because I want to stay out of it. I want to be objective. That's what an attorney general does. That's not what I do as president. I want to serve the American people. I want to keep the economy humming, which it is. I want to create more jobs. I want to build the wall. I want energy independence. He's also got to deal with, obviously, the Iranian mullahs. And uh, Kim Jong-un thought he was cute this week by firing two little baby missiles to see how we would react. I keep having to remind liberals about that, too. What did Donald Trump give Kim Jong-un? What, all right, let's just. All right, he, what did he give him? What did Kim Jong Un get from the United States of America as, with Donald Trump as president? The only thing he got was time. And in the interim, it's been a full year and a half. We've got remains of our soldiers from the Korean War back. We've got hostages back. We have had stopped for the longest period now missiles being fired over our over Japan and and threatening the entire region with, you know, a nuclear holocaust and war breaking out. And the president gave nothing else but an opportunity for Kim Jong-un to build a relationship with the rest of the free world if he would stop pursuing his nuclear weapons program. And in exchange, Donald Trump did give Kim Jong-un something. He gave him his time, his time and his willingness to have a discussion. Now, I'll take the remain, you you offer me, I'm the president for a second here, I know, don't laugh, and you offer me the remains of our American heroes for time, I'll take that deal. How much time do you want? I'll give you a lot of hours for for the remains of, for those families that want the remains of their loved ones back. Yes, sir, I would do that for our soldiers, absolutely. would well i want your time and i also i'll release a hostage if you will talk to me have a conversation with me okay i'll take that deal too i'm i'm you're not gonna get all my time i'm i have a busy day i'm the president sure you can have the time for that too um i'll stop firing missiles and threatening the world every day okay you're gonna do it for 18 months deal how much time do you want that's it It's a very different approach than 
the past presidents that have been offering bribes. Kim Jong-il, that would be Kim Jong-un's father, got literally everything he wanted with a phony promise to Bill Clinton, then president, including the ability to spend centrifuges and everything, but it's a good deal for the American people to prevent them from acquiring nuclear weapons. Nope, wrong. Bribery fails. Appeasement fails. Now, the president, too, always says, well, we'll see. We'll see on Iran. Not offering them anything either. And everybody said, oh, no, this is good. he's going to nuke them. He might eventually have to use a tactical nuke or some serious bunker-busting bombs to knock the hell out of the, their nuclear sites. I can see that day, oh, it, it could be imminent. I could see it happening because there's a full alliance now that's already there. I know more. My sources, again, something other people in the media don't seem to rely on. Well, tell me that, in fact, this alliance with Israel, the U.S., obviously Great Britain now. Um, I don't, I'm glad Theresa May is out at least. What do you think of Boris? Seems a little nutty, but let's see if he, he can make Brexit work. I don't think he's going to work, make it work by negotiating with the European Union. I think he's just going to have to pull the trigger or do what uh, Nigel Farage says, which is call for elections. And if he does that and the conservatives unite with Farage, uh, then they'll get enough votes to just get the hell out of you know, the European Union and get their own currency back and the pound and and be free of the insanity of the European Union, just making dumb decisions. They're saying they won't do it. Anyway, we'll see over time. And so I can tell you that I think the president, if you look at his track record of keeping promises, we can make certain determinations and predictions about his behavior. Well, Hannity, you talk to the president a lot. Well, nobody knows my relationship with the president, and I'm not going to tell anybody my relationship with the president just because people think they know. And the fact is that nobody has gotten it right ever in the news media. And you know what? You're never going to get it right. And I'm never going to talk about it, and I'm never going to write about it just to keep just to keep you guys guessing. It's more fun. You know, just like I wasn't given a tutorial to the likes of Devin Nunes. He doesn't need me. Or Jim Jordan or Matt Gates or Doug Collins and John Ratcliffe. They know this better than I do, and they have they have more access to what really happened than I had. I just I have to dig for everything that we're getting. We're we're layers behind them only because of, you know, they have to protect uh intelligence information and they're not gonna share it with Sean Hannity, no matter how much they may like Sean Hannity. Although we get it more than you might think. We're pretty good at it. And then when push comes to shove, I'll always say, am I over the target? It's just to know if I'm heading in the right direction or if I'm about to steer off course. But anyway, the president is not going to have boots on the ground in Iran. He's never going to do it. Now, I think probably the president will remain with a very limited number of troops for intelligence purposes in Afghanistan to prevent the Taliban from ever rising. The only reason ISIS and the caliphate in ISIS was wiped out in Syria is because the rules of engagement were changed. And Donald Trump did what he said he was going to do. I'm not putting boots on the ground. I'm not engaging in a long protracted war. And if you look at the cities that were taken over in Syria by ISIS, well, he just worked his way backwards and he allowed the generals to do their job and basically bomb the living hell out of each area of an ISIS stronghold until they went to the original city and they took that back. Well, the same will be with Iran. Iran's going to push this too far. Now we've got the Brits, and we've got Jordan, and we've got Egypt, and we've got Israel, and we've got Saudi Arabia, and we've got the Emirates, 
and they're all aligned against a nuclear-armed Iran and fearful of Iranian hegemony in the region, and that's why Vladimir Putin is the nut that he is. So I'm just, I'm, I am telling you that this is, these are interesting times. You can predict what Donald Trump is going to do. He said he's going to cut taxes. We got the biggest tax cut. He said he's going to deregulate. He deregulated. He said he's going to incentivize businesses to spend and invest in factories and manufacturing centers here. And if you dare go abroad, I'm going to punish your products when they come back into the U.S. And it's worked. And he, he literally is fighting like a dog every day to get the borders secure. I saw Griff uh, Jenkins on Fox and Friends this morning. He was down there. He actually got a tour of the detention facilities that AOC and is it Omar? Is it? I forget. what uh, Who made the analogy? But I know AOC did that they like concentration camps. I'm like, no, they're not. We saw they're playing soccer. They have soccer fields. They exercise. They're being food, water, medicine, health care, everything they need. The only people that voted against it was people in the squad. So we've got a lot of stuff happening. And I'm just telling you, it's been a good week because truth has prevailed. And it's also been a good week because I know what's coming. And it's what's coming is going to validate what we have spent a good two plus years reporting. And here's the thing that I also know, it's going to shock the conscience of the country. It's what is going to be revealed on now a regular basis is going to make every American aware of those that were in, that we entrust at the highest levels of the premier agencies that we provide the strongest tools of intelligence to literally to impact a presidential election and then to destroy a candidate. And then later the guy that wasn't supposed to win and they have they had an insurance policy to go after the transition team and then the presidency. And there were numerous avenues by which they went about spying and trying to undermine the will of the people. And I went over this yesterday. It's they they hate us, we the people, much much more because they blame. They can't believe we're so stupid that we don't agree with them. Well, I think we're actually smarter than them with better economic results and a country that's stronger than we've ever been before. Like with energy independence, the first time in seventy five years. Look at what's happening in the Straits of Hormuz. They're strategically less important now than they've ever been. Since the the lifeblood of our economy became more necessary year after year, we now have our own energy. We don't need them. Not only do we not need them, we can bring them and Putin and Russia and that regime that hates us to their knees when we outproduce them and get it to our Western European allies and those in Asia, uh, Australia, whoever needs it. And in the meantime, we'll literally be raising the standard of every American because those energy jobs, by becoming energy independent and becoming the biggest net exporter of energy, we haven't even begun to tap into the vast resources that will supply energy for the entire world for hundreds and hundreds of years. Clean burning gas, clean burning coal, uh, oil as needed. We've got it all. And now we're going to start benefiting from it. But unlike countries that, well, well, they keep it for the leadership. Venezuela is one of those countries. You got some of these Middle Eastern countries. You ever notice that the leaders are rich as hell? 
and the people, they're basically given crumbs. I was watching the day when uh, our good friend uh, Jorge Ramos was interviewing the president of Venezuela and showing him a video of the people. This could be one of the richest countries that everybody could be rich in Venezuela. They have so many uh, resources of, of oil and energy. No, the people are eating out of garbage trucks. And then, of course, he got hung up there. I did come to his defense. Didn't I say I'd bail him out? I said I'd pay for it. Didn't I yep. say that? And he and I argue, I don't want to see any American held hostage by anybody. And I'll, be, I'll tell you right now, I am so pissed off um, about the Iranians holding these these tanker guys hostage under the flag of Great Britain. I'm, I'm ready to roll. We'll see what happens. I don't know how long. I don't think it's going to go on 444 days. I, I don't believe that. But obviously, Britain in the middle of a political change right now makes it a little more difficult. But I see it happening. All right, as we roll along. Well, that's what I'm saying is that there's... Um, All of this now is noise on their side. Uh, My prediction about the media is very clear. They're never, ever going to admit that they're wrong. They're never going to self-reflect and not going to analyze and say, what did we get wrong here? No, they're going to watch their ratings continue to tank. Their credibility is shot and shot forever. I don't think it's anything they could ever rebuild. CNN will always and forever be known as fake news. And if you look at, you know, Roswell, Rachel Maddow over there at MSDNC, they are going to be known as the conspiracy channel forever. There's nothing that you can do about it. And if you like conspiracy theories that and you like to be disappointed and you like to be set up like a bowling pin only to be knocked down every other month by hyped up lies that they promise are going to bear fruit and never come to fruition and turn out to be false, then go with them. We take very seriously our responsibility to get to the truth on these issues. Look, we'll tell you later in the program, Linda's been down at Leavenworth. We've been really digging deep into the Clinton-Lawrence issue, and we've followed this case now for many, many years It's sad that there are a lot of these guys that have served this country. Here's a guy that is serving his country, takes over a platoon a a week to 10 days prior. A bunch of guys in that platoon, including their leader, are killed. They're killed by IEDs that were delivered by men on motorcycles. So in comes Clint Lawrence. He's the new platoon leader, knows exactly what had happened to the platoon and how they lost members. And then what happens? A bunch of guys fly past the checkpoint on motorcycles. Now, I guess it's really easy sitting in the comfort of of an office in Washington, D.C., or, you know, in some courtroom somewhere, and you never get your shoes or your boots dirty, and to second-guess what is a split-second decision about saving the lives of of young Americans that, that you have the responsibility to protect. And then it turns out later there's other evidence, like, oh, DNA evidence. Yeah, those two that got this guy sent to jail, the platoon leader. Yeah, their fingerprints, their DNA all over IEDs. All right, 25 till the top of the hour. Um, You don't want to do it now, right? You don't want, we'll do it No, but you know, what you, you know, first of all, thank you, Sean, because, you know, there's very few people who put their neck out on the line, and you always do. I mean, you've done it a thousand times throughout your career. Yeah, by the way, one day I'm going to go out on that limb, on that 
big on the tiniest branch and the smallest twig hanging on the leaf from that's left over from fall and one day it's gonna drop you know that it's it's not gonna work out great i don't know dude i gotta be honest with you i mean uh, when, i mean when we, track record's good when but. we broke the when we broke the news in 2007 along with eric rush at the time yeah about our, reverend by Wright. The way, i haven't had him on in a long time tell we contact him i miss him he's a great guy eric uh i'm yeah. reaching out we'll let you know we miss you all right <laughs> Okay. All right, go ahead. Okay, then. So, um, but, you know, what you were saying about Clint Lawrence is so true. You know, these stories of these men, you know, in Clint's case, it literally was a life-altering decision between a two and ten second mark. You know, and he's got to trust his platoon. He's got to trust his men. You know, these military guys, they put their lives in one another's hands. And so, you know, Clint's in a ravine. He's not the lookout guy. He can't see what's coming down. They're describing the exact scenario that killed six men a week prior. He's been in the platoon a day, one day. And it's like, okay, I don't want any more men to die. The biometric evidence comes out that these guys were bomb makers, that these guys had their hands all over the bombs that killed the platoon, the guys in the platoon the week before and this week. It's unbelievable. And I'm telling you, when we tell this audience what brigadier generals did to these lieutenants that it's when i went to fort leavenworth i tell you it was like when i went to the icu we were at soroka hospital off the gaza strip it's seeing these people who give their all and i'm sure there are people in fort leavenworth who absolutely deserve to be there And when i met with clint he told me that firsthand he goes there's people who deserve to be here but i'm looking at this guy and you know what sean he doesn't want a pardon he wants a disapproval of the findings because a pardon means you did it he's like i didn't do this I want to disapprove all the findings, and that's what we're going to fight for for this guy. Also, another point, a funny point. People love, love, love what we played yesterday for the My Cousin Vinny mashup that we did with the audio <laughs> yeah, of Bob Mueller. great. So we made a video version. The video version. Did you put it up yet? It's on Hannity.com, front and center. It's hysterical. Forget about it. You're going to love it. Forget about it. Marissa Tomei is the woman after my own Can heart. Can I be that honest? Because you sound like her. Yeah, that's why I like her. So let me see, you got the little deer prancing in the woods, drinking, sipping a little water at the brook. That's pretty and I, good, Sean. Nice and job. And it bam, and then you shoot the little deer and you kill it. Oh, she says, boom, a bullet hits you right between no, right, the eyes. Exactly. It's a great, you got to watch that movie. Oh, my favorite scene you, By the way, her. you want to know why that movie has significance for me? Because I was a New Yorker that lived in Alabama, and they all said, Sean, welcome to Alabama. Good to hear from you. Roll Tide, uh, War Eagle. And by the way, you talk funny. And by the way, I did not Listen, know I, I talk funny. I went I to did. get coffee in Kansas with John Maher and Don Brown, <laughs> which are Clint's attorneys. Yeah. So they're both they're both amazing guys, military guys. So John's from Chicago and Don's from Charlotte. And they both have their own accents in their own right. But we're sitting in the car. We're getting some coffee through a drive through there. It was really good. And... Uh, John's like, oh, Linda, you want a coffee? And I said, yeah, let me get a latte coffee, uh, you know, with some cream. And the whole car just turned around, including the girl in the window. She's like, oh, God, you must be from New York. I'm like, oh, hi. How you doing? Yeah. So anyway, back to my coffee. And they're just dying laughing because there's just nobody talks like that unless you're from New York or Boston. You know what I'm saying? Like the accents are just like ridiculous. But to me, they sound like they had such strong accents. And they're talking about us. I was like, yeah, it's not me. It's you guys. Just so you know. But I was outnumbered, so I didn't have a lot of. Well, lot I'm good. Listen. there. You know, we do, we, we really have, um, and I joke about this all the time in a sense, but I'm really serious about it. If you're not serious about really digging in and, and this is what we do, um, we don't really talk about it. I mean, I describe what I do for a living. People say, well, um, you believe in a free press? Are you part of the media? I mean, yeah, of course I'm press. 
What do I what what do we do as talk show hosts? It is a unique job. It's very different than being a quote journalist. I'm not a journalist. We do journalism. It's part of what we do. We do investigative journalism, i.e. vetting Obama when nobody else will. Um, We do reporting. How many hundreds and hundreds of hours TV and radio could I produce? Me just reporting news, straight news, talking about, you know, a coming hurricane or or natural disaster. God forbid talking about war and peace. I'm not doing any opinion. I'm doing news, straight news. So that's part of what we do. We're investigating the deep state when nobody else would. We did a lot of news gathering and investigative reporting with a big ensemble crew of investigators that did a lot of hard work and a lot of vetting. And we did it with Obama. We did it on the deep state. You know, before we jump in front of, you know, we're not part of the no due process, uh, uh, no presumption of innocence crowd. I even said it about Avenatti. I said, okay, let's see. I don't know. I mean, doesn't sound good. He ended up having... Three separate, but this is before when charges were made about him and and some woman, maybe it was ex-wife or somebody or girlfriend, I don't remember, but, and I said, uh, he deserves the due process presumption of innocence. He didn't give Kavanaugh, but look at what they did with Kavanaugh, just like they did with Bork, just like they did with Thomas, just like they recently did with Nicholas Sandman, just like they've been doing for two and a half years, lying about Trump and conspiracy theories. You know, we took a whole separate independent path than everybody else. And, and we take a lot of crap for it. And by the way, the people that we've been investigating, let me tell you a little, without giving it all away, do you think they like Sean Hannity? The people whose names we talk about and expose every day? Do you think these powerful people like us? Like the ensemble cast? Well, you know, Linda has a little bit of anonymity, sort of, well, you used to in this in this work. Oh, I had a woman yell you think they the like Greg Jarrett and John I didn't even Solomon? tell you. Um, well, you know more, you know exactly what I'm telling people without telling them. They don't like us doing this. Oh, no, no, not at all. And if they had their way, I guess they'd probably silence us too in some way if they could. And, um, it's just, it goes with the territory. And then, and you think about it, you know, I had a friend of mine in the military, like, thank me. He goes, you know, you're really putting your neck on the line on this. And I appreciate it. I also appreciate that you always point out. Rank and file, we're rock solid because we are, and we're as disgusted as you are. And I said, you know, I'm sorry. I just, you can't put me in the same category. If you have to carry a gun every day, your job's tougher than mine. I have a carry permit. I've carried a gun. I've had, you know, I've had a carry permit in New York, Rhode Island, California, Alabama, and Georgia. I've, I've, I've had, I've carried a weapon all of my adult life. Much, let me see. Yeah. About two-thirds of my life, I've had a carry permit. Can you believe that? I believe it. Yeah. Um, I don't like to shoot as much anymore because I get that ringing in my ears, which is not as fun. But I think it's important. Well, that's just me yelling at you. That's all. That rings in my ear, too. (laughs) (laughs) I have happy news. You want to do happy news? No, come on. There's no such thing. A little bit of happy news. Well, anyway, I'll do that. Yes, we do happy news. We do sports. We do cultural stories. I'm so furious at these videos of these cops getting hit with water and these attacks against police officers in New York. They better stop it. And they better get... We have the faces of every person. They didn't have masks on. You better find every one of them. And I saw the charges of the first one. I'm like, are you kidding me? No, that's assaulting a police officer. A felony. 
charge them with felonies. It's outrageous, but what's the good news? And we do opinion, too. Go ahead. What's the good news? Are you sure you're ready? Because you're down a lot of rabbit holes Well, we do, have a, we do have a new member of the Hannity family. Oh, my God. You know what you like? You like that person who's like, go ahead, tell the story, but let me tell it. No, you tell it. No, I'll tell it. You're going to let me tell it or you want to tell it? Uh, well, I told it yesterday, so I don't know. No, you're... but today I have the name. Oh, that's true. We that's didn't have the a name. whole point. How many days has it been? Uh, she was born on Wednesday. Oh, and what's her name? Her name is... Anna Lee Barbaray. Anna Lee Barbaray. Barbara. So my mother's name is my, my mother's name is Barbara. Barbara. Yeah, and then uh, her mother uh, used That's the name awesome. Ray. And by the so, way, we're talking about Lauren, who's w- worked on the show for a long time, and she got married to Linda's brother. I mean, this is lucky like day a, to become a McLaughlin. Let me tell you. Oh, uh, let me tell you, don't ever expect to be able to cut tomatoes in that family. I'll tell you that. That's right. Um, no need. It's my salad. I'll cut the oh, tomatoes. By the way, look at Ethan. Ethan's dying, and so's Jason. Well, Everyone's got a big it, smile the on their face. Tomato story just keeps coming up and up, and most people probably have no idea what you're talking about. No. Yeah, you people... probably should explain that. No, Linda's the type of person that if you're cutting a tomato, let me do that. You're doing it all wrong. It drives everybody nuts. Well, you know what? You don't give a man is, a fish, Linda you can't teach understand. him how. Well, you can't take the fact that I decide to work as often as I do, and it annoys you. Oh, I, now you know that's Sean not Hannity true. Show, how far do you want to go down that and, road? And the Sean Hannity show, Sean Hannity gets to decide, you know, I think I really want to do the show today. And you don't like it that I don't take vacations that you think I ought to be taking. You know what? Look at, for example, we're one year away now this weekend from the national holiday, which was Kristen and Sam's wedding, right? That took place in Chicago. It was the national holiday. And we're one year out of that. And they're having an anniversary thing. They have traveled more around the world together in a year than I have, again, for leisure, my entire life. And I sit there, and everybody that works for me, it's the same thing. The only thing I don't let anybody who works for me do is either go out to lunch or go out to dinner. Listen, I'm I'm excited that you're working today. I love that you work Fridays. I'll be watching you tonight on TV just like I'm listening to you today on radio. Um, you, But you know it's true, too. And by the way, and don't ever, like, do a favor for Linda when she's getting an award, like, send her to the best, greatest hotel in San Diego history. And, you know, because it might rain and there might be construction and I might decide to do a show. Uh, and Ethan's baby is due 28, four, 24, 48 hours later and forget the fact that I actually have a real plan to ensure that he'll be there uh, when needed, but that doesn't matter either. And it's like, oh, by the way, can we do okay, um, guys, the one day? If Linda says she's off, can we handle it? I think we can, right? Can we, Ethan, yes or no, can we handle it? I am not getting in between you two. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what? That makes you the biggest baby in the uh, You know what? You better stop picking on him. Why don't you pick somebody up? Pick on Jason, Jason for a week. All right. I'll ask Jason. Jason, is that true or false? We can deal, but you really do need the supervision. <laughs> you guys, you know, I love unless this. You, unless you want me she to do the supervising. She has put the fear of God into all of your hearts. And I you fear both else. of you equally. Well, it's still the Sean Hannity show. Let me just educate you are everybody. The talent. In there. there is no argument. 
Well, it's always alleged talent. It's never real talent. Oh, you're the talent. I'm the boss. All right. We're going to have more on, on Clint LaRance coming up. Uh, our best uh, love, prayers, wishes, congratulations to your brother, Don, and uh, Lauren, who's a, a just a wonderful woman, and uh, her f- first baby. How do you say the name again? Annalee. Annalee Barbaray. Annalee Barbaray. Okay. McLaughlin. McLaughlin. <laughs> That's Annalee Barbaray. Barbara. Barbara. Not Bobby. No, it's Barbaray. It's not Barbaran. Are you thinking of like a 1960s rock like and roll song? I'm trying to say Bob O'Reilly or something. What the heck's wrong with you? Yeah, Teenage Wasteland. Hey, uh, all right, Nadler's full speed ahead on impeachment. The cowardly shift, though, is backed off, which is interesting. Uh, oh, we have uh, now congressional investigators want to grill Andrew Weissman, but they don't want to grill him in person. They want to do it behind closed doors. Um, that's interesting. Let's see. Oh, the people that want to interview Andrew Weissman are John Ratcliffe and Jim Jordan, Mark Ga- uh, Matt Gates, Mark Meadows. Um, that would be interesting when we get that from Doug Collins one day. Uh, we have nine, we've identified nine specific Russiagate crimes that Mueller's pit bull, Andrew Weissman, refused to investigate. And it was in the Wall Street Journal. Did you see this? No. For example, it's a great list. Um, was Mueller familiar with Fusion GPS, the opposition group? Mm, outside my purview. What did Weissman know? Well, we know Weissman was warned about the dirty dossier by Bruce Orr in 2016. Did he know the Fusion GPS was working with that woman, uh, Natalia, who went to the Trump Tower meeting, but first before and then after met with Fusion GPS? Huh. And that she only really wanted to repeal the Magnitsky Act? Uh-huh. That's why everyone was bored. Uh, what about the notorious Steele dossier, you know, based on Russian sources? Now, think about this. Did the Russians really want to help Hillary? Well, it appears, if the New York Times is right, that this was Russian disinformation likely from the get-go. That would mean that the Russians knew that Clinton was going to use it to screw Donald Trump, and they were helping with the lies. Oh, that whole narrative is is blown out of the water. By the way, there may be smoking gun tapes that will blow the lid off of Obama's FBI Russiagate hoax. Trey Gowdy. The tapes can be a game changer. Now, we have John Solomon. We'll give you a preview in the next hour. But the internal review of the Russia investigation is zeroing in on transcripts of recordings made by at least one government source who met with former Trump campaign aide George Papadopoulos overseas in 2016. Maybe it's Joseph uh, Mifstad, the professor. Uh Uh-huh. The recordings in question, I can confirm tonight today exist pay very close attention to that what i just said next week that's all i'm gonna say is that fair that i tease people like that or does that make me arrogant like you said this week don't sound arrogant on the air um oh by the way bernie sanders got slapped with a labor board complaint over the crappy wages he pays his team james clapper now is even trashing Mueller. Well, I think people learned a lot yesterday watching a very poor performance and watching things that they couldn't believe when they saw what was going on. And hopefully we're going to be able to find out how a thing like this started. It was a disgrace to our country. It was a disgrace from every standpoint. And 
uh, I would say that most people have never seen anything like it. And then on top of it, you watch that performance. It was it was shocking. How much of the Mueller testimony did you actually watch? So I wasn't going to watch it all, and then I started thinking about it, and then I watched a little bit at the very beginning, and I couldn't believe what I was saying, and I ended up watching more than I wanted to. And oh. then I watched the afternoon because, you know, it was such a big crater at the beginning, and I, I said, now I have to watch... Uh, I have to watch Shifty Shift because he just went through three hours and now he has to go through Shift. And I said, this is going to be very interesting. And I've never seen anything like it, actually. It was sort of good television. So I couldn't watch it all. I had meetings. I had economic development meetings. And I was saying, fellas, maybe we could move it to another time. But I didn't want to do that. But I got to watch enough. And uh, it was shocking. I thought the Republicans represented themselves brilliantly, actually. Uh, John Ratcliffe and uh, Jim Jordan and uh, I mean all of them uh, Louis Gohmert I could mention 15 names it, it, or however many they have that spoke it got fairly close to that number I guess maybe it was a little bit less than that but I, I will tell you that everybody representing the Republicans I thought was really good and I thought the other side was typically biased but they were stuck with a situation that they couldn't believe. All right that was from my exclusive interview last night with the president um, going into great great detail uh, about his thoughts of what happened what unfolded this week you know I got into a I have a friend of mine uh, <sighs> It's, I wouldn't say it's a, he's a friend. He's in the media. He's not a conservative, but I I kind of like the guy. Um, and he was outraged the fact that the president used the word treason. And I said, well, let's forget about the president saying the word treason for just a second. Let me, let me ask you this. If, in fact, you have what the New York Times called a dirty Russian dossier that likely was Russian disinformation from the get-go. And that, in other words, that the Russians know that the money came from Hillary, that Fusion GPS got the Christopher Steele. Christopher Steele hadn't been in Russia in 10, 10 and a half years. So they know he's looking for dirt, being paid to get dirt for her. And if the New York Times is right on this piece, they're not right on a lot. They've been two and a half years late on everything, but... If it was likely Russian disinformation from the beginning in the dossier, and then we see what they did with it. I mean, just all right, two hookers urinating in a bed in in the Ritz Carlton in Moscow, Donald Trump's bed, which, <laughs> you know, that's why they had the spreadsheet. John Solomon reported uh, 90 some odd percent of this it was all garbage. The FBI knew it was all garbage. But in spite of warnings, multiple warnings, Kathleen Kavlak, Bruce Orr, everybody else, Steele hates Trump. Hillary paid for it. It's not verified. Now we know it's unverifiable. The dossier's author, Christopher Steele, doesn't stand by it. Okay, but you use it anyway. You use it. It gets disseminated to the American people of the hookers urinating in the bed story. That's it doesn't sound like the Russians if it was if it was Russian disinformation likely from the beginning. It sounds like the Russians weren't trying to help Donald Trump, which has been one of the main points and main conspiracies and main lies from the get go. Anyway, joining us now, good friend of the program. He's done great work. Oh, boy, do we have news coming next week. Isn't it great when you know something awesome has come then you can't share it with everybody? And you tell your audience and your audience is like, you jerk, you know, yeah. but. Only because we, we are very careful. I, you know, I said this last night on TV. We, we double check, triple check every source. We don't want to get a story wrong. Thankfully, we right. have not on this big, you know, two and a half years of, of 
unpeeling layers of an onion. But let me start with this. You're the executive vice president, investigative columnist at The Hill. Right. And you've broken so many of these stories. But I think what you really hit on just this week prior to Mueller could be the biggest piece of the puzzle. And that is about Joseph Mifsud is a guy that, well, didn't the Mueller report suggest he was part of Russian intelligence? He did. And he, listen, he's the, he's the flashpoint, the start of the entire Russia collusion narrative. If you don't have Joseph Misu writing out, reaching out to George Papadopoulos in March of 2016 and offering to introduce him to the Russians, uh, you don't have a predicate. Because as we know, it was that conversa- set of conversations in March and April that the FBI said prompted them to open up an investigation that became known as Operation Crossfire Hurricane, and which gave us this whole bogus Russian collusion narrative for two and a half years. So he is the starting point of this entire investigation. And uh, and the great lawmakers who questioned uh, Director Mueller drew out some very important information during the hearing, which is uh, they kept asking, why didn't you charge Mifsud if you believed he lied? The man who starts the entire investigation, and you don't charge him, but you accuse him of lying. And Director Mueller could not provide an answer why he charged everybody else with lying, but, but not Mifsud. And, of course, that predated by one day the story I had, which in which Mifsud's lawyer says John Durham, the new uh, attorney, U.S. attorney rep, uh, investigating the Russia collusion misbehavior, the abuses by the potential abuses by the FBI, has reached out and sought an interview with Mifsud. What does that tell us? It means that uh, the Justice Department isn't confident with Mueller's conclusions about Mifsud. And, two, we know from Mifsud's lawyer that Mifsud's lawyer is prepared to provide evidence to the Justice Department department and sit back, buckle your seatbelt for this, that his client wasn't some Russian stooge. He was a long-term Western intelligence cooperator, collaborator, who was tasked, asked, directed to approach uh, George Papadopoulos and offer to make introductions in Russia, meaning it could be a setup, a Western intelligence setup. That would flip the entire case on its head. Okay, now it flips it, and, and it goes to the heart of the issue, something we have discussed from the get-go, too. People talk about it as the five eyes and an alliance right. of intelligence uh, with the United States, Great Britain, uh, Italy, and Australia. And Australia. Aust- yeah, Australia, right. And, and by the way, interestingly, did we outsource some intelligence gathering in ways that uh, would circumvent American law, but our friends do it for us, and we're basically ordering it done for us? Uh, how big a story is that likely to become here? That's a great question. Listen, I think there's multiple theories for voting. And first off, we don't know if Ms. Sood or his lawyer are telling the truth yet. I've seen some documentation, which I put in my story. You can go to it and download the actual documents that would suggest that there's some credence to what they're saying. There's some clear evidence that Ms. Sood was being directed to uh, uh, introduce uh, Papadopoulos to uh, the Russians. And secondly, there was some trickery, chicanery going on. Remember, everyone in the media was gasping a couple of years ago that Papadopoulos might have met with Russia, uh, with Vladimir Putin's niece, a woman who was supposed to be Vladimir Putin's niece. I have seen clear and convincing evidence that the woman who was introduced by Mifsud to 
uh, uh, Papadopoulos was not a niece, but in fact a student posing as a niece uh, that, that Mr. took off of his campus. That's the sort of trickery or, or undercover work that often goes on in either private intelligence ops or government ops. I think one of the theories here is it could be a government, right, MI6, America, who knows. Another theory, it was a private intelligence ops. Someone had paid to have this dirty trick staged. We don't know yet, but the fact that John uh, Durham is looking at it tells us the answers Mueller gave the Justice Department don't seem to be satisfying enough to the Attorney General. Let me ask you this. Um, I was recently, I got a call from somebody, and I've always felt that George Papadopoulos, you know, he even said, and it was reported that he said just the opposite of what people accused him of saying when That's they right. accused him of lying. He said, I would, I would find a traitorous if somebody right. colluded with that the Russians. That was my column. That's that was right. your column, John Solomon, that, correct. That's and, that's right. and, and somebody and recently said, no, don't trust this guy. Don't trust this guy. And I looked at them and I said, well, it, um, I have no reason to doubt what he said here. And I've yeah. been told that there might actually be exculpatory evidence that proves him right. That's exactly right. Remember, we've heard multiple times on your show, uh, uh, lawmakers have come on your show referencing transcripts, uh, Sean. And uh, as I have many times before, and you have called for the release of those transcripts if they exist, I think those are in the process of being declassified. I think we're going to see some news on that in the next few weeks. But if there are transcripts before the FISA warrant was issued in which the FBI knew that George Papadopoulos not only was was not interested in, in uh, getting uh, Russian dirt and emails from the Russians. He actually said if doing it, the campaign would have considered it treason and they would never do that. If he used those words, it would have undercut the entire allegation they were asking the court for permission to, uh, to investigate. It's the sort of information you're required under the law to tell the court. We think something went on here, but we have some evidence that goes the other way. We need to show that to you. We've heard from Devin Nunez. We've heard from John Ratcliffe that there's a belief that some of this evidence was not given to the court. If that gets declassified and we see really what the FBI knew about Papadopoulos, it could really go to the heart of abuse by the FBI and the Justice Department in the fall of 2016. Well, I, I got to tell you, I, I'm, if all of this is true and all of this is coming out and now John Dorham is is seeking to interview Misfood and we know he spent almost 16 hours with Steele and right. Misfood's lawyer is saying he was a longtime cooperator with Western intelligence. I'm hurt, I hear especially close to Italy. That's been what my sources have told me. Yeah, um, that's definitely yeah. true. The, uh, the owner of his campus or the director of his campus is a former Italian intelligence officer. So there's definitely ties between Mifsud and Link University, the place he worked in Italian intelligence, but there's also ties to MI6. And here's something that a lot of people don't pay attention to. In a letter in May, Devin Nunez sent the intelligence committee a really crazy revelation. In September of 2016, at the height of the beginning of the Russia collusion investigation, the FBI mysteriously showed up at Link University, where Joseph Misud worked, where the Italian intelligence former director or officer uh, teaches and leads, and they did a training seminar, signaling that the FBI has some connection to this campus. That's a very big revelation that a lot of people didn't notice in the Devin Nunez letter from May. You know, I want to go a little bit deeper than this. So if he's part of this sophisticated intel operation targeting Papadopoulos, right. um, and then we also have the Australian diplomat, Stefan Halper. He's, he's a spy on Carter Page, Papadopoulos, and even Sam Clovis, who he wasn't even asked to target. Right. And Misfoot gives a deposition where he discloses the woman he introduced to Papadopoulos as Putin's niece. And uh, right. no, it was a student. Um, and he's really Western intelligence. But as you wrote a great column, 
on the omissions of the Mueller report, and they got this key point wrong. Um, what else did they get wrong, John? And by the way, is anyone at any point ever proven beyond with any evidence that the hackings were really done only by Russia? I suspect Russia probably did it. But I, I wonder if others could have as well. Listen, I, I think that on that point, I've done a lot of investigating. And I was fortunate enough about a year, year and a half ago to be shown a very detailed analysis that I believe was really the work of the FBI. There's a pretty compelling case that Russia was involved in these hackings. And I, I don't want to listen. I've always. I, by the way, I, I believe that, too. I think there yeah. and, yeah. and there are intelligence sources I have that said, Sean, I'm telling you, that, listen, they did yeah. it. But, you know, it's funny because if if it was think about the New York Times saying it was likely Russian disinformation from the beginning, the dossier, doesn't that kind of change the narrative that they were helping Hillary and uh, I'm sorry, helping Trump? That would mean now they're helping Hillary. Uh, there's a, we haven't had a chance to talk on air since um, since yeah. uh, Wednesday's hearing, but there's a moment. I encourage everybody to go look at the transcript of the Mueller hearing where Matt Gates is questioning, and Matt is very intense, so he's firing these questions at a very rapid pace, and Mueller is not quite catching up. But here's the question that Gates answered, asked him, and he said, is it possible, and why didn't you investigate whether the Russians used the Steele dossier to try to influence the election? In other words, the Russians used the British national to... St- feed fake information into the 2016 election to hurt Donald Trump. And here is what Director Mueller, when he finally caught up to the question, said, I think it's so important for people to hear this. He confirmed that the Justice Department is looking at that issue now. Bob Mueller confirmed Wednesday the Justice Department is currently investigating whether the Russians use Christopher Steele to influence the election. Now, if that it turns out to be the prevailing theory that, uh, that comes out of the investigation, think about where we came from. We went from Donald Trump's campaign colluding with Russia to influence mm-hmm. the election to Hillary Clinton's opposition researcher colluding with Russia to hurt Donald Trump. It would be a right, complete 180-degree flip. 30 seconds, preview of coming attractions next week and in the weeks to come. I think there are three things to watch for. I think we should watch for a change at the top of the intelligence community, maybe Dan Coates moving on finally. Uh, two, release of some unclassified documents, uh, the declassification of documents related to Russia that detail the first abuses. And three, perhaps the beginning of grand jury activities related to John Durham's investigation. Those are three things I'll be watching for the next couple of weeks. All right, John, uh, a tip of the hat to you. Uh, a lot of us went out on a on a limb, and you were one of them. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. it's true, because and we got the crap beaten out of us for how long and we just never let anybody and their words stop us i know how hard you worked you didn't sleep many many weeks um because you you were up working and and thank you for all you've done you've helped you've done an enormous service for the country to be honest quick break you too thank you quick break right back uh larry kudlow uh the president's top economic advisor we'll talk about the economy and much more straight ahead been asked by uh, Indian Prime Minister Modi to mediate between India and Pakistan. India uh, says that that's not even close to true. Did the president just make that up, sir? No, the president doesn't make anything up. That's a very rude question, in my opinion. I'm going to stay out of that. It's outside of my lane. It's from Mr. Bolden and Mr. Pompeo and the president, so I'm not going to comment on that. The president doesn't make things up. Uh, Larry, how do things stand right now between the U.S. and China in terms of the negotiations? Well, let's see there. Again, as I said, uh, they're going to meet next week in Shanghai. Secretary Mnuchin, Ambassador Lighthizer. I think I wouldn't expect any grand deal. I think uh, talking to our negotiators, 
They're going to kind of reset the stage and hopefully go back to where the talks left off last May. We were doing well, no deal yet, but still on the structural issues regarding uh, IP theft, uh, force transfer of technology, cyber interference, trade and non-trade, uh, tariff barriers and so forth. Um, certainly the um, uh, enforcement mechanisms, but if we were if we were 90 percent there with 10 percent to go, I call it the seven yard line. I, I think our negotiators want to go back to that spot. And again, let me repeat the very, very important note that we anticipate, we strongly expect the Chinese to follow through goodwill and just helping the trade balance with large-scale purchases right. of U.S. agriculture uh, products and services. All right, that was our friend Larry Kudlow. We have uh, the economy growing at, well, compared to the rest of the world, 2.1% uh, in the second quarter. Part of the slowdown blamed a little bit on the trade issues involving China and the uncertainty. As for the job market, well, we continue to create millions of jobs. We have more now available about according to the the Fed, they said we have seven and a half million more jobs available than we have people to fill them. That is a spectacular number. You know, the best uh, employment situation since 1969. You know, for all the talk, Donald Trump is racist and all this crap that people do because that's, well, the latest trendy thing to trash Trump with. It's either Russia, Russia, collusion, collusion, stormy, stormy, asshole, asshole, or now it's racist, racist. Um, has there ever been any recognition in the press that we have record low unemployment for African-Americans, Asian-Americans, uh, for Hispanic Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, especially that's important. That's what kept me out of jail as a kid because I wasn't hanging out with my dopey friends. Uh, Larry Kudlow is with us. He's the president's top economic advisor and head of the National Economic Council. By the way, who was the jerk that approached you the other day and, and tried to, you know, verbally get in a fight with you? Yeah, it really pissed me off. It really pissed me off. He's a jerk. I'll let him remain nameless. The president doesn't lie. And it was a rude question. And um, we're kind of going to put that guy on the shelf for a while. We're not really going to call on him for a while. Let me ask you this, about as we look at this world economy. And I'll be honest, I've never thought the stock market is the greatest indicator of how well the economy is doing. Now, it's an indicator, but a lot of people don't invest in the stock market. And the more important thing to me is to look at these unemployment numbers. And, and then more importantly, I think the trade deals that the president has gotten have paid off uh, handsomely for the country. I think the incentives deregulation has kept a lot of businesses in America that would otherwise leave. And looking at the alternative, which is no lifeblood of our economy, which is oil and gas and no combustion engine, and we'll get rid of cows and planes and everything's free, and uh, uh, it doesn't and, seem very promising to me. And the tax cuts. And the tax cuts. And the tax cuts you were know, huge. You know, I like the way you put it. Um, so our quarter was only 2.1. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But nobody else in the world's growing at all. That's at the all. point. And by the by... Um, all of our friends, my good friends on the other side of the aisle, and they're economists, and they're friends of mine. They used to come on the CNBC show. They all said we couldn't even get 2%. So we've had 2%. Now, President Trump's been in office two and a half years. The first full two years, he was at 27 All right, now, 
We wanted three, and by the way, we're going to get three to four. But he got 2.7, even though the Federal Reserve gave us huge, severe monetary tightening with seven rate hikes, even though there was no inflation. We still got 2.7. Now, in the prior eight years under you-know-who, the average growth was 1.9. So we're at 2.7. That's 1.9. We have picked up the trajectory of growth by over 40%. I say that's a good start. A very good start. You know, it's very hard. The engine of the economy, there are a lot of outside factors. One of them that I think is really going to pay the biggest dividends of all. You're right. This is the biggest tax cut in history. I, I didn't mean to keep it off my list. But deregulation has also put us in a position that, number one, we're now in the process of building an entirely new economy because of deregulation, which has now led us to a point where energy independent for the first time in 75 years. And this is only the beginning. We have two pipelines being completed. We now have a nat we have more natural resources than the world combined. And when we open up Anwar and we really tap into the natural gas resources uh, and the coal, clean burning coal that we have, we now will be the biggest net exporter of energy if we want to be, if we're smart enough to be. And that everyone, every job I know in the energy sector, every job I know, they pay truck drivers a hundred grand a year after they train them and as much overtime as you can handle. These are career jobs that literally raise the standard of living for everybody that gets in that industry. And this would then make it a permanent shift in our economy, which means we have decades of growth ahead of us. I agree. It's transformational. We are rebuilding it. Look, this president said um, said we want to reward success, not punish it. He said to businesses, go ahead, take a, take a swing at the ball. We're going to lower your taxes and regulations. And they are. You see all this tremendous small business creation. Uh, you're right about the unemployment across the board. Every single category, women, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, to not. By the way, the, the lower skilled and less educated have done the best in this recovery. Okay, it's the best since the Reagan years. And I think that goes to all these points, taxes, regs, energy, and so forth, all of them. Um, if we get this USMCA deal passed, NAFTA 2.0, the growth impact it's phenomenal. Be about half a point a year in extra GDP, almost 200,000 jobs per year. Help the car workers, help the manufacturing workers, help the farmers, help the techies, stop the theft of um, intellectual property. Yeah, by the way, that so, really does have to stop. You know, my a buddy of mine, I never told you this story. My buddy Keith, Linda knows him and James knows him. Um, this guy was the inventor of the year. I don't want to give away his company or what he does. You know, every company rips off what he has patents on worldwide constantly. Yeah. He got inventor of the year. And he, he, you know how many millions of dollars have been stolen from this poor guy? It's unbelievable. Well, that's why it's important. You know, it's law. It's his fruits of his labor, right? It's his brain power. I know. That's the big issue with China. But you know what? We got it in the USMCA deal, which is very important. So it's going to help our, our growth quite a bit. I mean, you know what, Johnny? Some of this stuff is factual and analytical, like, you know, we go through the numbers and so forth, but a lot of it's attitudinal. So President Trump comes in, and like I say, he's saying to folks, I'm not going to penalize your success. I'm going to reward your success. Uh, I'm not going to beat you up if you're in business. I like business people. Go take a rip at the ball. Go swing from the heels. 
You can fail a couple times, go back at it. We're going to reward you after tax. That's terrific stuff and a complete change from what we had in the prior eight years. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like the zeitgeist. The spirit has changed. The psychology has changed. And President Trump is urging people to work, invent, invest, save. That's a whole different thing. That's incalculably po- uh, positive for the economy. I, I, I always like that psychological side. But look, you know, your other point. So we have about seven and a half million job openings, about six and a half million unemployed. We got people coming out of the woodwork who dropped out of the labor force. They're coming back in to the labor force because they see better wages and better opportunities. By the you way, is have- it, doesn't that mean what well, I think we're up to seven and a half million because Obama Biden added 13 million to food stamps. Are we like six, seven, seven and a half million Americans off of food stamps since Trump's yes. president? Yes, we're making. Yes. Finally. And, ab- and about seven million more Americans working and millions more out of poverty. Am I wrong on that? No, you're right. And by the way, it's not a coincidence. It all goes to, you know, prosperity, wages. Listen, my dear friend and colleague, Ivanka Trump, she unveiled yesterday her plan, you know, to help people working. This is reskilling and retraining, Sean. So she's signed up now 300 companies covering possibly 12 million workers. These companies... I'm not talking about the government, because the government job training programs never worked. These are in the states, in the counties, in Main Street, private companies who need workers are now training them on their own. And this was Ivanka's idea, and it's working. We got all these people signed up. That's part of the success. So look, the jobs, employment's going up, wages are going up. Incomes are going up, and you look at the GDP today, even with 2.1, the consumer side was up over 4%, which is a fabulous number, and that comes from jobs and incomes. So that's why I, I'm very optimistic. We are on the right track. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, I, quick break, we'll come back more with Larry Kudlow on the other side on this Friday edition Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue with Larry Kudlow, um, one of the things that I'm most thankful for in my life is that I, I never relied on my parents for any money since I'm 10. I really, I had a paper out at eight. I mean, I, 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 mean, I did have a, a roof over my head. They always had a full refrigerator of food if I wanted to eat, but I always bought my own food out of the deli or the pizza place and and paid they never gave me a dime for college they never gave me a dime in my adult life and i worked in restaurants uh, all throughout my years from 12 years old on and then i got into construction and uh framing and roofing and painting and hanging paper and laying tile and doing every job imaginable and had built the business and felt the pressure of keeping everybody working. I was 21 years old, 22 years old, and I had people that were married and had mortgages that were dependent on me keeping work going. That was a a hell of a life lesson. I got to tell you, the pressure I felt at that time, I felt so guilty if I didn't have enough work. Working, 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 Sean. No, I mean, the best thing I ever did. Work is is so important. You know, we speak to all these groups here, particularly young people. We had a couple of hundred student body presidents in here yesterday and I gave a talk uh, just about this by the way you're 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 on target work I said you know everything I learned really all right I went I have some advanced degrees and whatnot but everything really through the job working hard so you have to work 
And then you have to push yourself to work even harder, Sean. And then when you think you're working harder, you have to work even harder still. You know, it's so funny because everybody on my staff takes these vacations. I'm like, how do do they do it? They're so better traveled than I am, and they know how to... Linda, what am I like on vacation? I'm, uh, nobody wants to be on vacation with me, ever. Oh, you're, don't a take real, a vacation. Uh, you're a lot of fun. And <laughs> Let me ask you, Larry Kudlow, can you, do you understand the people that can go on vacation and sit on a beach all day? I could never, I, I'd rather blow my brains out. I know, I've, I've never been any good at it. <laughs> I'm, sort of a 20, I'm sort of a 24-7 uh, as my new hip heals, I'm going to get back on the tennis court. Yeah, That's I might good. need one of those too. Lucky me. But, yeah. One more point. I want to make this point. Work is godly. I agree Work with you. Is godly. You know, you know how much I mean? trouble it kept me. It, listen, everybody has to understand in life that you have to serve other people. Everybody, yeah. you're providing goods or services that people want, need, and desire. And when you go to a restaurant, you want to be served, and you want to buy a house. Well, somebody served you by building that house. And then when you do your job, you want to serve other people. I mean, we we're in the in the business of serving news and information and investigations that you won't get anywhere else uh, because the media is so corrupt and biased. And, you know, I look at, we take that job seriously. Everybody that works for me is just like me every, uh, to one extent or another. And that is, I, I, I'm not letting my, my radio team go out for lunch. If they ever ask me, I tell them to go home. I mean, right now I got a BLT here at my uh-huh. desk. Uh, anyway, Larry oh, Kudlow, we love you. Thank you. And, thank you, um, John. You're the best. You're the best. Well, I want to keep this country strong. I want the economy strong. I want every American to have the opportunities that I've had to work hard. Stay right here for our final news roundup and information overload. A lot of conservatives in particular would say that the rise in Islamophobia is a result not of hate, but of fear, a legitimate fear, they say, of quote-unquote jihadist terrorism, whether it's Fort Hood or San Bernardino or the recent truck attack in New York. Uh, What do you say to them? (laughs) I would say uh, uh, our, our country should be more fearful um, of, of, of white men across our country because they are actually um, causing uh, most of the deaths within this country. Um, and so if fear was the, the driving force of, of, of policies to keep America safe, Americans safe inside of this country, um, we should be uh, profiling, monitoring, um, and, uh, and, and creating policies to fight the radicalization of white men. Maybe we shouldn't be eating a hamburger for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You make more than $10 million in one year. Your 10 millionth and $1 gets taxed at 70%. Capitalism has not always existed in the world, and it will not always exist in the world. Should, is it okay to still have children? But we're here to say that an agency like ICE which repeatedly and systematically violates human rights, does not deserve a dime. The thing that was interesting in the class was every time the, the, the professor said Al-Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and, you know. Yeah, he's in command like, here. Al-Qaeda, you know, has He's an expert. <laughs> 
and he was, you know, as What's his kid. name? <laughs> what to put his oh, name on not, there? We, we what are does not he saying learn? his name. Uh, yeah. you, you probably get to see him on, on CNN. Uh, yeah, of know. course. I love those guys. But, you know, but, but, but it, is, it is that you don't say America with an yeah. intensity. You yeah. don't say England yeah. with yeah. an intensity. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't say um, the army with an intensity. Carter. <laughs> but you say these, these names because you, you want that, that word to carry weight. You want it to leave something with yeah, it has a cultural meaning not just exactly so it's it's you know it's it's said with a deeper voice care was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties so recently I introduced the Boost Act. This legislation completely repeals the GOP tax scam that is only helping wealthy individuals, the rich, the corporations. And do you know what I did with that money? Do you know what I said? Mm -mm. We're going to go ahead and put it into the uh, pockets of folks like everyday Americans. If you make less than $100,000, you're going to get up to $6,000 in your pocket. And if you make less than $50,000, you're going to get $3,000. That's what we do with our public dollars. We give it back to the people, the people that earned it. All right, that is the squad, the most relevant, most impactful in terms of an agenda item, agenda items on the 2020 Democratic hopefuls. It's certainly not Chucky Schumer, and it's certainly not, oh, let's see, Nancy Pelosi, speaker in name only. Um, but it's getting bad. Um, by the way, does anybody, Delinda, do you ever, did you ever see me, who loves hamburgers, eat hamburgers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Have you ever, you know how much I love hamburgers. Absolutely. Love, it's a Hannity rule. It's what we do every day. White Castles. How We fit the stereotype. I love that they White Castles. Okay. So I have hamburgers for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. First of all, I, I can't. First even... of all, I'm I'm on my diet perpetually now. But you know when we when we all have been on the road, if I can get White Castles or In and Out Burger, or I'm getting it one the way or the other. Things you eat on the road are inappropriate. I have no words for that. It is well, the things you eat every day that are disgusting lime green. Oh, you mean or, healthy green? Yeah, puke, the more colorful your plate, the healthier it is. Orange. Um, yeah, of course your bones break. They must have no 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 nutrients. Oh, in them. listen, like, Mister Ninja, I challenge you to a bone density. You. Test. Bone I density test. I doubt it because we all we do is pain training, which is we get more dense, more dense, and build more calcification. Exactly, which is why my bones have none because I do things like a normal person, like ride a bike. Yeah, and and green puke like it's the exorcist after she you know projectile vomiting i guarantee you that's, that's that danielle and jonathan agree stuff. with me 100%. it's so disgusting the stuff you eat i mean i can't even believe look i have to look at it anyway news roundup information overload um we heard and we played the full clip of omar saying that americans should be more fearful of white men we should be yeah she said that and and then goes on to say because some people think it's it, it needs to be said i don't see she said that but just because she adds because they're actually causing most of the deaths within this country and so if fear was the driving force of policies to keep safe americans safe inside this country we should be profiling monitoring creating politics to fight radicalization of white men she said um now we also have the anti-semitic issues in america's garbage and uh, I think my favorite, though, that came out just in the last week has to do with money and, you know, the idea that Talib says we're going to take money from the rich 
and give it back to the people, those who earned it. Did the rich steal it? Anyway, Jonathan uh, uh, Jonathan Gillum, Danielle McLaughlin, good to hear you from you both. What do you think, uh, Danielle, after you say, hi, Sean, how are you? Hi, Jonathan, how are you? We got that out of the way. Go ahead. I'm just going to jump straight in, um, and I'm going to defend Omar Ahana. She talked about white uh, supremacist violence. Uh, the FBI director uh, earlier this week said that the majority of uh, domestic terrorism cases in this country, he was uh, appearing before Congress, were motivated by white supremacist violence. So her point is, um, you know, this is where the largest domestic terrorism is coming from, and this is a problem. So I don't see an issue with what she, what she said at all. Um, you don't You don't have a problem with that at all? Well, the fact, I mean, she's she's accurately portraying uh, the, where the vast majority of domestic terrorism is coming from. And in that sense, she's accurate. And the FBI director said the same thing to Congress this week. What is your reaction to that, Jonathan Gillum? Well, first of all, I think the FBI director is wrong. Um, a lot of the statistics that they put together and present in front of Congress are based on manipulative uh, or uh, facts that can be manipulated. And quite often, that's what happens. Um we, he, you know, would go in front of any of the FBI directors that are that are in office, go in front of Congress, and they report about statistics. So, say, for instance, terrorism. You always heard Comey say there was a thousand investigations going on for terrorism at any given time. What the the statistic that they don't give you that matters is that only a, a handful of those actually result in actually being terrorism. The rest of them are just cases where. Somebody was from Pakistan is mad at somebody in America, so they call the FBI and say the person's a terrorist. And we have to follow them 24 hours a day until we vet out the problem. When well, we look at, at the domestic issues that are going on here to, in this country, it is not white supremacy. It is not white supremacy. And for him to say that is wrong, and for her to take that statistic and then push it out shows me that there's organization in the way that these statistics are being presented so that they have something to put out. Um, let me ask you about this. Now, I know you have liberal views, uh, Danielle, correct, on a lot of things? Yes. And, yeah. and you don't have a problem. Like, I'm sure you love Obamacare. Keep your doctor, keep your plan, and save less. That really worked out well for America, didn't it? Well, I know a lot of people didn't keep their care, and I, uh, and I know whoa, whoa, whoa. a lot of people uh, you mean mil- hurt, A couple? You mean, or did, did millions of Americans lose their doctor, yes or no? Yes. Did millions lose their plans, yes or no? Yes, and millions more uh, got is every, that they hang didn't on. have before. Is every American now, everyone, now paying considerably more than they were? Well, and healthcare prices have been rising, not rising not just because of Obamacare, but because of insurance companies. Uh, insurance companies are making billions of dollars, and regular Americans are paying uh, insane amounts of money for their care. And we've got to stop that. Jonathan, all I know is, so now we're not even going to have a private health insurance option uh, if they have their way. Then we're going to have a 70% top marginal rate. Then we're going to have a 90% top corporate rate. Then we're going to get rid of oil and gas, the lifeblood of our economy, and no more combustion engines. We're going to have to retrofit every home. Everything in life is going to be free, though. And then eventually planes and cows go away. That's why I'm saying, thinking about investing heavily in cows. <laughs> you know, when I, you, the clip that you played when we came in, of uh, this squad talking and saying the things that they say. I didn't think anything could get dumber than The View, but they have proven that they can actually go the distance and say things that are dumber than The View. And I think this is one of those things. When it comes to healthcare and the way that things are being looked at now and the stacks that they're putting out and the way that they want to do it, it, it is just dumb. It would bankrupt this country, and by far, it does not have a solution. It's just wishful thinking. 
that's what they keep putting out. And I, you have to agree with that, Danielle. No, absolutely. You know, one of the most stupid rules that this government has made is it has stopped itself from being able to negotiate with drug with, with healthcare providers. So if you're Medicare or you're Medicaid, uh, those organizations, those, those agencies are unable to negotiate down prices with pharmaceutical companies, uh, with any number of healthcare providers. And that is lobbying. That is lobbyists who have made sure that uh, the government has to pay top dollar. And that, to me, is insanity. Why can't our taxpayer money uh, be used carefully? And why can't our own government uh, negotiate down so that prices are lower across the board? This is insanity. All right, quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue more with our friends, Jonathan Gillum and Danielle McLaughlin. All right, as we continue uh, final free-for-all hour, Jonathan Gillum, Danielle McLaughlin. Do you want to get rid of oil and gas, Danielle? Do you think that's a good idea in 10 years? No, not in 10 years. We will eventually run out of that. Those are um, non-renewable resources. I think it makes sense to look to the future and uh, to have a system and an economy that runs on renewables and non-renewables. Jonathan, I'm just, uh, the, the reality here is this is who they are. This is what they stand for. Now, I haven't even addressed their, their, their anti-Semitism. It's all about the Benjamins and, you know, the Nazi comparisons and Israel's just like Nazi Germany. Therefore, they deserve boycotts like Nazi Germany. Um, do you think those are good people that say that or say that the United States of America is a garbage country? Do you support that, Danielle? Because that's who has the most influence. So first things first, AOC did not say that America was garbage. She was talking about policies that were no good for the American people. She never said that America is garbage. I don't like some of the anti-Semitic things that some of these women have said, and I will never, ever, ever defend them. I do think that we have to have a rational and real conversation about Israel and Palestine, the Palestinian people. Okay, you you know, you're just trying to minimize and deflect here. You know, I don't like this. You always deflect. This is virulent hatred and anti-Semitism. Will you say that? Can you say that? Yeah, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Okay, then why do they have the most influence of every other person than any other group of people on the 2020 candidates that are sucking up to them uh, every single day, Jonathan? That's the question I have right there. And and I know I, I would like to ask Daniel this as well. And everybody that's listening, whether they're liberal or conservative, if you had a friend, close or not, or an acquaintance, that spouted anti-Semitic or hate-filled rhetoric, would you hang out with that person ever again? I know I wouldn't. So why in the world are they voted into office, and why are all these Democrats running to get as close to them as possible? That makes no sense whatsoever. Well, Look, I, I, w- I want to clarify the, uh, the issue and, and some of the statements that have been made about Israel and Palestine. There's a reason that America has been looking for a two-state solution for so long, because there's an understanding that Israel needs to have secure borders, sovereignty, a full defense, but that Palestine and the Palestinian people, not the terrorists running it, but the people themselves need a state as well. So I think those comments were directed at the idea that ordinary Palestinians, who are not all terrorists, of course, live under this occupation, live with a lack of sovereignty, and that they deserve to have sovereignty as well. I don't think yeah, that's It still doesn't answer the question. Even if you are having a debate with somebody in a public setting about this, and they spouted off something that is 
anti-Semitic, you would probably get up and walk out of that room. You wouldn't of try to I would. close of to them. And like I said to Sean, I'm not going to defend any anti-Semitism, but I will clarify when somebody says something that I don't believe to be anti-Semitic, but is actually talking more generally about the problem with Israel and Palestine and the issues that we need to get through to get peace in that area. That's all. But I, I think if you want to clarify, you could just say that they hate Israel, period. They don't, they don't want to understand the situation. They hate Israel. It is sad. The, uh, and the comparisons to Nazi Germany, uh, you know, if any conservative ever did this, the outrage would be loud and it would be, well, pretty much never ending. Uh, a conservative calling America garbage. No, we're not a garbage country. We've liberated the entire free. The free world is, is what it is today because of the United States. And we have done more to advance the human condition than anyone else in the world, in the history of man. We've defended the cause of freedom, the God-given state of freedom, you know, that we're endowed with by our creator. We've done that too. And the price has been heavy. Our national treasure, our children. We've got enough, uh, you know, grave sites around the world to prove the cost. It's been enormous against evil during different periods of time, our history. All right, Daniel uh, McLaughlin, thank you. Uh, Jonathan Gillum, thank you. When we come back, I don't know what we're doing. It's Friday. How about a Friday concert series? Big and rich rock stars. Straight ahead. news all afternoon when you get off work be sure to check in first for everything you missed during the day this is the sean hannity show all right 25 now till the top of the hour 800-941 if you want to be a part of the program um we haven't talked about it yet but you know like every other thing that we do we like to do it to the best of our ability and really get the story ourselves um i'll give you an example duke lacrosse i went out and Garden City, Long Island, where a number of these kids live from, and they were being charged with horrible crimes, 85 professors, full-page ads in newspapers, this corrupt, what was his name, Nifong, whatever his name was at the time, he ended up, I think, going to jail himself and being disbarred. Uh, another example of prosecutorial abuse. Those kids never did this. And I knew after I met with them and their parents and started talking to them that, you know, they were already beginning to have to prove their innocence and they were doing it. Nobody else in the media took the time to do that. Yeah, it was Mike Nifong. Mike Nifong. I remember I went down to talk to the people down, uh, not just George Zimmerman, who I did interview, and uh, Barbara Walters was furious with me at the time because she wanted that interview and she was there. And, well, George Zimmerman did the interview with me. But more importantly, what did we do? We went around and we started doing some legwork and asking questions. And uh, we've done that many times. You know, we have I I remember our sheriff friend from Ferguson, Missouri. We had another sheriff friend out in Baltimore. Yeah, Darren Wilson. Right. Darren Wilson was the police officer. We knew early on that there was eyewitness and I couldn't report it. Because I gave my word. I said I wouldn't. I had sources telling me that they had numerous eyewitnesses corroborating Darren Wilson's story. What did the media do? The media went in the other direction, got shot in the back, and Michael Brown was innocent. And you know how many 
it, we, you know how many witnesses we ended up with? Well, if they maybe made some calls and did some homework, they'd find out. The same thing everyone was saying, these officers are all going to be convicted. Remember that aggressive prosecutor in, in Baltimore, Maryland? And again, all these politicians, they, they go out there, they say things, people's expectations rise. And then when it doesn't come out the way they, that they were told it's going to come out, look at liberals today. You know, they really thought that this Mueller thing was going to be very different. That was we Marilyn Mosby in the Freddie Gray, FYI. What's up? Marilyn Mosby. Mar- it was Marilyn Mosby. Yeah. What's up? What's she doing now? Running for president or is she running for governor? Or, Hopefully you she's know, hiding under a rock. Nobody gets held accountable. The media gets it wrong. Look at the way they treated Nicholas Sandman. This poor kid, 16-year-old kid. This kid did everything we now know perfectly. He showed restraint and an unbelievable maturity. Hardly any 16-year-old is going to be that mature. But the news media sees a 10, 12-second clip. They're told the lie. They repeat the lie. They start to believe the lie. Well, now the media mob is going to pay. I promise you, they're going to lose hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars from Lynn Wood. The same thing happened with Richard Jewell. I just happened to be on the air. Story breaks. Atlanta Journal-Constitution fits the profile of a soul bomber. He, he, he lives with his mother. I'm like, well, he's a security guard. Maybe he's trying to save money to buy his own house one day. Would that be so, so uncommon? He lives with his mom and dad. Big deal. And I didn't know Richard Jewell was listening that day to my radio show. I didn't know that Richard Jewell told me years later when I got to interview him that I was the only one, the only person in media nationally and locally in Atlanta that defended him and said, oh, hold on, everybody. That doesn't mean anything. He might still be the hero we thought he was. Turns out he was. He died, I think, at 44 years of age of a massive heart attack. He was kind of a heavy guy, but Lynn Wood swears, his attorney, that the stress and what the media put him through, he believes, contributed greatly to this guy's death. Stress is a killer. For most people that don't deal with the crap I deal with every day, you know, to have their name in the newspaper, CNN was doing, how many segments did they do over the weekend or the last few, about my tutorial? They were fixated, I did the tutorial for the Republicans in Congress that may not know the whole story. Linda said, make sure you tell people that you're just saying for those that don't know. I was just saying, you know, you were just talking out loud and just sort of brainstorming on the best way to get some answers out of Bob Mueller. Bob Mueller. Not that he had any answers to give, as we clearly saw. The Fox TV talking points were on full display at the Mueller hearings on Wednesday. How Republican lawmakers took their cues from Sean Hannity. John Avalon has been connecting the dots. He has our reality check. Hey, guys. Well, look, during the Mueller hearings, it sometimes sounded like Republicans and Democrats were living in different worlds. With the exception of Congressman Will Hurd, Republicans essentially ignored the findings of the Mueller report preferring to focus instead on alternative facts, half-baked deep state conspiracy theories. And a perfect example of the Fox-Trump feedback loop, it turns out that many of the GOP questions yesterday came straight from Sean Hannity. This is CNN. Uh, Fake news, CNN. Can we not get it right? By the way, I do love the voice. Who is that? James Earl um, Jones is amazing. Is that the greatest voice ever? Yeah, it's a shame it's for CNN. It should say, this is fake news. 
CNN. Exactly. That's what it should say, Sean. That sounded awesome. (laughs) Well, it's like Scott Shannon doing it. I play a Scott Shannon. I mean, you know, Scott, I'll tell a funny story. Scott Shannon invented, this is how smart a radio guy this is, he invented Morning Zoo Radio and was well known at, uh, still a great station in New York, Z100 is a top music station in New York. One of the top ones. And at Z100, he took them from last to first place by putting in place Morning Zoo Radio. And had years of success on, on WPLJ at the time, and they're gone. Um, and then uh, we have him now. He's the number one rated morning show in all of New York City. Now, that's the, you got to understand, we're talking about a metro area when you include New Jersey and Long Island and New York City alone. You're talking about 30... 40 million people hear this, can hear this guy, and his shares are massive. Now that we made some money for our sponsors, let's go back to making the liberals crazy. The Handman is back on the radio right now. Anyway, let me just, behind the scenes, and I'll, I'll turn back to where I started. He does our liners early in the morning, first thing when he gets up, because his voice is even more deep. Isn't that incredible? I wish I had a voice like that in radio. All right, so yeah, we do if only our work. you can make a success of yourself in radio. Oh, a man can dream. I know. I mean, I well, I wish I sounded like that. I can't stand what is listening the matter to matter my... with you. Your success I, in radio. I I know. I listen, but I have six hundred and twenty now of the best radio stations in the country. But I cannot listen to my own voice or watch my own TV. Yeah, show. nobody can. I mean, I, I can't you. stand it. It, it, it drives. I. Uh, it's just, I remember our, remember John McConnell. I'm still friends with him. He's a great guy. Great, great guy. Friends with Lawrence Jones. Yep. And he goes to me one day, he goes, well, we got to do an air check on your show. I said, I don't do air checks. No, no, no. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I said, I'm not doing an air check. And he goes, no, no, no. We're just going to see maybe what you can improve upon. If, if you got something for me to improve upon, tell me what it is. Send me a note, one sentence preferably, and I'll look at it. And if you're right. I'll read it. Now, meanwhile, I read audience research, and I have for 20 years. I even stole research from Sluggo in Atlanta at the time because I wanted to know what people had to say about me in the show. And frankly, they were all people were always right, brutally honest. And every time I listened to them, I got better. I learned more. From, I don't need to listen to my own show to determine whether or not the show's doing well. I would. I definitely listen to my audience and what they want. In terms of, well, you can't shut up. I'm like, that's my job. Or you step over people anyway. Or you digress like I just did. Because we do research, was the point. And the research that we now have done, we sent Linda to Leavenworth this week. We didn't want to tell anybody beforehand. And there's a reason. Um, We know what happened in the Eddie Gallagher case. Mark Mukasey and Bernie Kerrig did a phenomenal job. I know Mayor Giuliani was a part of that as well. When I read the New York Times report on Eddie Gallagher, I said to you, what, Linda? I said, there's no way. It's over. He, this, this, this reads horribly. And it turned yeah, out it to re- be wrong. It was wrong. a complete injustice. And, and I called Bernie. I said, Bernie, read this. It doesn't make... Bernie, I've been in this business 30 years. If what they're saying here is true, he's done. He goes, it's not true. Yeah, Bernie, I'm, I'm putting my credibility on the line. Tell me why it's not true. We had long, I had long hours and hours of discussions with Bernie Kerrig about it. And Bernie, man, did he stay firm. He was telling me, it, and I'm listening because I care. I want to get it right. And on another story, we now have seen um, a number of people. Finally, the president did give a pardon uh, after this poor guy took Christian Saucier took pictures in a submarine, but the, we have been following for years the case of Clint Lawrence. 
and hence your trip to Leavenworth. Pick it up. Yeah, so we I went to uh, Fort Leavenworth uh, to meet Clint face-to-face, and God bless him. And uh, we're going to talk more about this on Monday and, and a lot next week, but there's going to be some really big news coming out on this guy. This is a lieutenant in the Army, joined when he was 18 years old. He's got nine Army commendation. The guy is a true patriot, a lover of God and country, and, you know, he— Killed uh, two ISIS fighters, not by his own gun, but by the order that he gave to his men because his platoon had been struck just a week prior where it killed six men on his platoon. And there are some higher ups in the army that are spreading around misinformation willfully. They've been informed that, you know, Clint never did this and we are going to expose them for all of their lives. And we have some really great support behind us. So we ask our audience to check out Clint Lawrence online. Stay tuned to Hannity.com for more updates on him because we're going to need a lot of support, just like we did for Eddie Gallagher, just like we need for Hatley, just like we needed for Derek Miller. What's so sad is Clint Lawrence took over a platoon whose platoon leader got killed, if I'm not mistaken, it was, what, 10 days prior to his arrival? A week before. He had only been in charge of the platoon that he was in charge of one day. It was the second day of So he's called in, and and he had a situation where he's taken over a platoon where platoon members had been killed with seven to ten days prior by guys with IEDs on motorcycles, and he had to make that decision. That's correct individual is in fact obligated to provide what's being demanded by the regulation or statute, meaning you don't have any wiggle room, right? I'd have to look more closely at the statute. I just read it to you. Are you mocking me? It's a yes or no answer. Page 180. Page 180, volume one. Okay. This was from your report. Correct. And I I, 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 I leave it with the uh, report. What are these pictures of? My house and stuff. House and stuff. Did your investigation determine who requested the polling data to be shared with Kalimnik? Well, I, I would uh, uh, direct you to the report and adopt what we have in the report with regard to that particular we, issue. And uh, what is this brown stuff on the windows? Dirt. Dirt? How could the Russian government have used this campaign polling data to further its sweeping and systematic interference in the 2016 presidential election? That's a little bit out of uh, our our, uh, uh, path. What is this rusty, dusty, dirty-looking thing over your window? It's a screen. A screen. It's a screen. To explain the prosecution or declaration, declination decisions reached. This is one of those uh, areas which I declined to discuss. Uh, okay, I, then let And I would direct you to the report itself. And what are these really big things right in the middle of your view, from the window of your kitchen to the sack of suds? What do we call these big things? Trees? Trees, that's right. Don't be afraid to shout them right out when you know. When you talk about the the firm that produced the steel reporting, uh, the name of the firm that produced that was Fusion GPS. Is that correct? Well, I, I'm not familiar uh, uh, with, uh, with that. I... What are these thousands of little things that are on trees? Leaves. Leaves! <laughs> And the owner of Fusion GPA was uh, someone named Glenn Simpson. Are, are you familiar with? Uh, this is outside my purview. Okay. Um, Glenn Simpson was never mentioned in the 448-page Mueller report, was he? 
Well, this is, as I say, it's outside my purview and it's being handled in the department by others. Uh, are you aware of that? It's outside my purview. And these bushy things between the trees. Bushies. Which president appointed you to become the United States attorney for Massachusetts? Which senator? Which president? Oh, which president? <sighs> I think that was President Bush. Um, according to my notes, it was President Ronald Reagan. Is it possible you just saw two guys in a green convertible? And not necessarily these two particular guys? Well, I suppose. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. And but go to Hannity.com. I think you're going to like this video that we put together. Uh, it is funny, though. Marissa Torme has never been better than my cousin Vinny. I mean, this was like my cousin Bobby this week. It was so such a knockout in the end, you know. And then, of course, Marissa Torme plays this New Yorker in Alabama. She's great. And she um, says, oh, you're going hunting. And let's see, little deer prancing along, sees a brook, takes a sip of water, and then all of a sudden, blanket, bam! You kill the blanket, deer. All right, that's all the time we have. Have a great weekend. Trust me, next week... I'm keeping my word on this. It's going to be a news-breaking week. That's all I can say now. Have a great weekend. See you Monday.